A special thanks goes out to the folks at Spotify for bringing you this podcast. Hello again, everyone. Today, we talk about a Broadway musical, a certain Broadway musical, that still has got it going on. I'm Tom Zania, and this is Tom Read Your Story. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast on the web for audiobooks, social media posts, current events, and just plain whatever. So let's start the show. For the next half hour, I'll be your host. I'm voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And we are back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the number one spoken word podcast in America. It takes a lot of balls to say that. But anyway, this is, of course, Tom Read Your Story. I'm Tom Zania, and uh, I'm an actor, uh, a voice actor, mostly now, and uh, a podcaster bringing you the spoken word every week, hopefully on time. (laughs) But uh, I'm really glad you're here. So anyway, what I usually do on a daily basis is take a deep fall down that YouTube rabbit hole, which many, I'm sure many of you can identify with of um, the many things you can find on uh, YouTube. And I, I'm not trying to sound like an advertisement here, but YouTube to me is one of the most useful, uh, websites on the internet. I mean, it's everything. It's entertainment, it's tutorials, it's all kinds of information about anything and everything. And uh, I was into it uh, for the past, I don't know, week or so. Uh, In regards to a certain show that I'm sure most of you know about, uh, at least the the listeners, the regular listeners of Tom Reader's story would probably know about it because they're around my age or or close to it. Um, and uh, it's it's a show. Um, it's chorus line, and it's it's a show that we all can sort of identify with. I think. Maybe some of you can't, and I think some of you say, well, it's about dancers and that's it. You are are sadly mistaken. Uh, I started being interested in this show uh, probably in 75 or 76 when it first came out. And I actually went to see it at the Fisher Theater in Detroit. Um, It was the first national company and... uh, Gosh, it was incredible. I mean, I I, I go back uh, to all these clips on YouTube in regards to a chorus line, and I go, "Well, this you know this show is probably dated by now." And I'm telling you, uh, I watched the whole production of the 2006 revival. Broadway revival of A Chorus Line, and I was just amazed 
by how incredible that show is. How it's about things that we all go through in life. And it doesn't mean you have to be a dancer to appreciate it. It's just a wonderful, so greatly balanced show of great music and a great story and and beautifully um, presented by uh, the late Michael Bennett. And uh, anyway, if you are one of those persons who don't know what I'm talking about, then listen to this. Behind the Line, the creation of a chorus line. A chorus line changed musical theater forever when it premiered in 1975. It's a completely ensemble show with no large scenery, no costumes except the final number, no intermission, and no star. For an era that relied on showy elements, this was the anti-musical musical. But then, the show won the Pulitzer Prize, nine Tony Awards, and a host of other accolades. How did this musical, called the first reality show by original cast member Bayark Lee, capture such an iconic role in American culture? The idea behind A Chorus Line began with two Broadway dancers, Michonne Peacock and Tony Stevens. As musicals became more expensive to produce and flops were abundant, Broadway began to struggle in the early 1970s, which caused many dancers to be out of work. Peacock and Stevens thought of an idea to create a theater troupe of just Broadway dancers and approached their friend Michael Bennett with their idea. They knew they needed a name, and Bennett was a well-known Tony Award-winning director and choreographer who got his start as a chorus dancer. Coincidentally, Bennett had been thinking along the same lines, although his idea was for a show, not a troupe. They decided to get together a group of dancers to share their stories and experiences. On a snowy Saturday evening in 1974, they did just that. The interviews began in a circle, with each dancer stating their name, where they were born, and why they started dancing. As the evening continued, the stories grew and encompassed everything from childhood traumas, insecurities, sexuality, and more. The event lasted 12 hours, but there was still more to tell, and another evening was scheduled and recorded. Bennett knew he had something with the material, and pitched his idea to Joseph Papp, the founder of the New York Shakespeare Festival, who loved it. Papp allowed Bennett an unprecedented amount of workshop time for the project and planned to open it in his theater complex, the Public Theater. Bennett then invited the other collaborators to the project. Bennett drew from friends to help shape the piece. First was Nicholas Dante, one of the dancers at the interviews whose story turned into Paul's moving monologue, to develop the book from the recordings. Then Bennett approached longtime collaborator Bob Avion to assist with choreography. He asked Marvin Hamlish, then a three-time Academy Award winner and Hollywood's hottest composer, to write the score. Hamlish had always wanted to write a Broadway musical and accepted. Edward Claben would write the lyrics, and later James Kirkwood came on as a co-book writer. However, Bennett was the one who drove the show. 
The first workshop was on August 4, 1974. A chorus line is unique in its development. There was no real script to start with, and each role was created organically, individually crafted to suit the talents and personality of the person playing it. Several dancers played versions of themselves, and others played characters created from combining several different dancers' stories. The cast members also contributed their own stories that enhanced the characters. Most fascinating was that all of the stories were true, and the process was deeply emotional for the cast, who were used to not being allowed a voice in the creative process. From these character developments and personalities, Hamlish and Claiborne fashioned songs. For instance, they thought of the song that became Sing during the actress's poor singing audition. But it wasn't until at the ballet that they knew they had something special. Daddy always thought that he married beneath him. That's what he said, that's what he said. When he proposed, he informed my mother he was probably a very she was 22, though she was 22, though she was 22, she married him. Life with my dad wasn't ever a picnic, more like a come as you are. When I was five, I remember my mother dug earrings out of the car. I knew that they weren't hers, but it wasn't something you want to discuss. He wasn't warm. Well, not to her. Well, not to us. Not everything is beautiful at the ballet. Graceful men lift lovely girls in white. Yes, everything was beautiful at the ballet. I was happy. That's when I started class Up the steep and very narrow stairway To the voice like a metronome Up the steep and very narrow stairway It wasn't paradise It wasn't paradise It wasn't paradise But it was home Mother always said I'd be very attractive When I grew up, when I grew up Different, she said, with a special something and a very, very personal flair. And though I was eight or nine, though I was eight or nine, though I was eight or nine, I hated her. Now, different is nice, but it sure isn't pretty. Pretty is what it's about. I never met anyone who was different, who couldn't figure that out. So beautiful, I'd never live to see. But it was clear, if not to her, well then to me. But everyone is beautiful at the ballet. Every prince has got to have his Pretty. 
I mean, I was born to save their marriage. But when my father came to pick my mother up from the hospital, he said, well, I thought this was going to help. But I guess it's not. Anyway, I did have a fantastic fantasy life. I used to dance around the living room with my arms up like this. My fantasy was that it was an Indian chief. And he'd say to me, Maggie, do you want to dance? And I'd say, Daddy, I would love to dance. But it was clear when he proposed that I was born to help their marriage and wed. That's what he said. That's what she said. I used to dance around the living room. It wasn't warned, not to her. It was an Indian chief, and he'd say, Maggie, do you wanna dance? And I'd say, Daddy, I would love to. Everything was beautiful at the ballet. Raise your arms and someone's always there. Yes, everything was beautiful at the ballet. At the Throughout the development process, the cast and creative team worried that the show might be too insular, too focused on the business. They needn't have worried. The show was a massive hit immediately after it premiered at the public theater. The glowing reviews poured in. Clive Barnes of the New York Times said the conservative word for a chorus line is tremendous, or perhaps terrific. A chorus line quickly transferred to Broadway and had its first performance on July 25, 1975. It is not an exaggeration to say that a chorus line saved Broadway. Broadway attendance was at a near all-time low of 6.6 million before the musical premiered. Afterwards, a chorus line shot the attendance up to 8.8 million became the centerpiece for New York City tourist promotion and led to the revitalization of Times Square. In 1983, on its 3,389th performance, A Chorus Line became the longest-running musical in Broadway history, a title it would hold until 1997. One of the reasons A Chorus Line achieved such a blockbuster success was that its stories resonated with everyone, not just those who dance. While the stories came specifically from dancers, the experiences they described of childhood memories, adolescent awkwardness, 
loss, and hope were universal. It was a show created specifically from the experiences of baby boomers and strongly appealed to them. Even now, more than 40 years later, the themes still resonate, and a chorus line remains the one singular sensation. And it's still the one show, uh, I guess you could say just the one musical, maybe even the, any kind of play, uh, that still affects me at the emotional level, like nothing else does. And I know there's been a ton of other stuff written since 1975. Um, there are great shows out there, no doubt. I'm not, uh, I'm not denying that. But uh, A Chorus Line still has this effect on me emotionally and just theatrically, visually, like no other show does. I hope you get a chance to go out and see it if you haven't seen it before or haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, it still works. Um, let's, let's close today's show with the finale, uh, probably one of the most exciting finales of any show that I've ever seen, the finale of A Chorus Line. I'm Tom Zania for Tom Read Your Story. Thanks for coming. I'll see you next week.
This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.